for centuries. We've been warned about little green men. Now, they are coming. They're coming for you. Run. But first, shut your windows. Hide your apples. Prepare for the attack of the android. And now, your host and the human leader of the android underground, Matt Lee. Hey, what's up everybody? It's Thursday, March 15th, 2012, episode 26 of Attack of the Androids, attackoftheandroids.com. You can find these episodes coming out fresh for you uh, once a week. Got a little short-sighted cast, but we're going to be very long-winded this evening. Joining me, of course, Joey, what's up? How we doing tonight, Matt? We're good. Seth, what's up? Hey, Matt. And, of course, Eric, what's up? I missed you guys. Hello. Good. Good. That's we what... can't say the same about you, Eric. I, I can. Eric, I missed you. Seth's hair, however, Joey. Sorry. Words right. hurt, Joey. Stop that. This is episode 26. This is great. We're uh, just moving right along every week. We kind of dig into the latest Android news, reviews, stuff like that, things that we write over on groovypost.com and a new domain.net. Um, before, before we start, I, I, I want to just mention that I, I have a question. Now I have two questions. My first question is, what the hell was that? Okay. Now, my real question is, so I went to a uh, Yeah Dude podcast show in Seattle a while ago, and I left my, my Galaxy Nexus charger at my friend's house in Spokane. And so ever since then, this was like, you know, quite a few months ago. This was in February. So it was like a month and a half ago, two months ago. Ever since then, I've just been using my Droid X charger for my Galaxy Nexus. And it didn't say like, don't, like if you plug in, plug an adapter into something that's not for, even though the plug fits, it'll tell you generally. And this charges and everything looks fine. I was just, I wanted to throw it out to you guys. Is that... Is that a problem, or it's a different milliamp battery than what my Droid X uses, but it seems to charge it just fine, but I, I don't know. Am I doing damage to this by using a Motorola charger for a Samsung device, uh, Eric, as long, Joey? As long as, the, as long as the adapter physically fits and the voltage is the same, uh, the rated power that the adapter can put out uh, might be different, but all that would affect would be your ability to run the phone and charge the battery at the same time. Um, in short, it's unlikely that you'd be doing any damage to it. The okay. most damage that you might see is that if you were running the phone really hard, uh, meaning like gaming on it or something like that, it might deplete the battery even though it's being charged. I see. Um, and it seems to work fine. Like I it it looks exactly like it looks on the screen and all the messages, anything it tells me about the battery, like it did when I used the Galaxy Nexus charger itself. So I didn't check voltages. I assume because uh, a friend of mine brought over um it wasn't a feature phone, but it wasn't really a smartphone, but it still used the micro USB. But as soon as I plugged it in on the thing, it says wrong charger. So it told me. So I, I based my assumption on the fact that that phone was not a smartphone and it told me I have a smartphone and it looks like it's just fine. So I, I was just curious if 
if there was something under the hood that I, I was damaging or if anyone else has, has experienced that before. Now, we used to swap uh, chargers between Motorola uh, smartphone, uh, Motorola um, feature phones and Blackberries all the time at my former work, and it, it never bothered. Um, you could go into a convenience store and get a cheap uh, adapter that just physically fit and it would work. Um, heck, even now, uh, I've got the, the Nook car kit adapter, um, which is just a, a, a plug that you stick into a cigarette lighter type port and gives you a USB port, and I use that to power everything from my MP3 player uh, to my brand-new LG phone um, and the Nook and everything in between. Huh, and it works A-OK, huh? Yeah, and, USB is USB. Uh, right, the, I the, assume that it's a lot of the power handling and the power management is done on the device itself, right, via the software. So it, I assume, and like I said, I don't know for sure, but I, I thought that if it got too much, it would adjust itself or it would tell you, yo, this is not right. But so far, uh, so good. It would good, be more so. likely to tell you, but your, your problem would be if you plug in an adapter and the polarity is backwards, the positive and negative are reversed from the way it's supposed to be, you can blow stuff. Uh, ah, but see. you're unlikely to find that unless you're stripping your own wires and wiring your uh, – your 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 connect your chargers manually. Well, yeah, because the plug wouldn't fit, so I actually just cut the wires and then stripped them, and then I just jammed those in there. And so so far, no, <laughs> don't do that. But yeah, it it works fine. I, I was just curious what what you guys thought and if you had any experience. So, uh, good. Um, next thing, you know how last episode we were talking about we had Sherwin on and we were discussing the uh, his survey, which was the Android security stuff. How long have you had Android? Um, would you notice, you know, if, if your uh, bill went up 20 cents or something like that, you know, because of a lot of the malware sends SMS messages and that bills you and they make money, you know, you hit a million people with that, send five messages a person, th- that becomes well worth, you know, doing this. So I brought up the point that, you know, it should be in a perfect world, in a perfect working system, it should be the responsibility of the Verizon stores here in this instance, you know, or whatever store is selling the devices, but they're the ones putting these into the hands of people. It should be their responsibility uh, for, you know, somewhat to educate those people and say, you know, you're on our network. It's not in our best interest to have a network full of malware that just spreads because, you know, it is, it's a network that stuff can spread. And so uh, today I noticed I was paying my phone bill And I noticed that there was a little message on the Verizon wireless site, and it said, hey, we're doing Android classes. You should register and come do this workshop. And I was like, ah, I'll do that. Cool. So if you guys live here, at least, in Kalispell, Montana, and I'm curious to to put this to you guys, if your Verizon stores are doing the same thing, on Wednesday, March 21st, at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., they're doing the Android Getting Started workshop and so i called them about this and i I had some questions as to you know who's teaching it maybe i could talk to them what kind of things are they going to be teaching these people and well unfortunately for anybody going to this workshop this is for and this was a lady at the store so granted these are the same people that make you know poor wages to just sell devices. They don't care about them. They don't care about the people. They just sell devices. They don't know anything about them. They don't care to know. 
So she says she she says that this is really this is a very basic class. This is they do iPhones on one Wednesday and then the next Wednesday is Android and so they alternate. So they're I don't, I don't even know how to say. It. I wish I would have recorded the phone call because she was so over the top and just like I, I, don't, I don't know. So I, I asked her, you know, how in depth they get. She says, this is basically just showing you how to use your phone. Very basic. And I, I asked her, so do you guys get into any kind of security or are you teaching people, you know, anything above just how to use the phone at the basic level? She's talking, here's how to download apps. Here's how to make phone calls. Here's how to send a text message. That's all. Now go have fun. And so I said, well, we discuss on a show that we do uh, that there's a lot of malware coming out for these devices. And, and I mentioned that, you know, there's if you put this these devices into the hands of uneducated people and malware gets on it, they either one, they won't know and they'll just keep getting charged all of these charges or two, they it's it's going to just overall, it's going to affect the network because you have all this malware on there sending things, DDoSing, whatever the, the zombie mobile botnet, you know, is set up to do. And you know what she told me? She said that that doesn't matter. Our network is not affected by that. So uh, what I took away from this is that Verizon's network is so amazing. It doesn't matter how many of their customers' devices get infected with malware or viruses or anything like that because the the network just keeps going. And that seems not true to me. I, I don't know. Do, do you guys know, Joey or Eric, that if, if there's enough of this, if enough of these older generation people get infected, will that not hurt the network as a whole? Can that those infections now jump through the network to other IPs or... Like it seems like this is a huge problem waiting to happen, and the people that are at the base of it that should be dealing out the education don't, and they don't care to because they think their network is impervious. Joey, yeah, I, Eric, I was gonna say I don't think it's well. First off, I mean you should really consider the source. I mean you you said it yourself. This is a person that gets paid to sell phones, so I really I wouldn't uh, consider this to be like a you know, a really reliable source. But on the same token, you know, just taking that for what it is, is that, you know, their network would not be affected by, you know, any of these malware attacks or botnets or anything like that. It's, I yeah, I mean, I don't think that's true. I think that it's definitely possible for, you know, for somebody to come out with a piece of malware that bogs down Verizon's network or AT&T's or whoever's network because it's sending traffic or it is, you know, spamming other phones, you know, like it, something gets on your phone, it spams your entire uh, phone book with text messages to your friends, which infects their phone and so on and so right. forth. Right, and I'm not even talking so, about, like, the text messages. That's, that's not going to hurt the network at all. That's going to hurt you personally and, and, you know, the people that that gets forwarded to what I'm thinking well, of is what's well that true. But, so that's what I'm thinking of what's to stop someone from building a mobile low earth ion cannon. And now you have all of these phones infected that are trying to DDoS, you know, something like that would definitely slow the network. And I mean, so far this year, how many outages have has Verizon had that we've read about three, four so far. And we're in March. Like, yeah, and who's to know who's to say that's what it's from causation correlation who knows 
it could be it could be tons of things but the way they're treating this is that they're they're teaching these people just enough to be dangerous but they're not then giving them the background or the foundation or anything of here's what to look out for or hey by the way this is a real thing you know how there's viruses on your computer i bet half of those people don't even know that there's such a thing as malware for their phones i guarantee that most of those people don't know and so it just seems like they're they're sending out hordes of people that know just enough to be dangerous but not enough to do anything else and we're just going to let them run wild and download till their little hearts content or their data caps kick in either oh, Matt. Or. Matt, isn't it, I mean, the people that I feel like an introduction to, to, you know, Android course, which, by the way, I think it's great that Verizon is doing that. Um, if Because instead of, like, you know, if I recommend an Android phone to one of my family members, I can say, hey, go to their course, rather than me having to sit down and explain to them for an hour. You know what I mean? But, but isn't, is it, the case that, is, isn't is, it the case that the people who are doing that are most likely not the ones who are going to go be downloading um, you know, from random websites. They're going to stick mainly to the Android market, stick mainly to the front page of the Android market. That's you true, but like- you act like that's the only attack vector. What's to say there isn't a malformed website that your mobile browser goes to and now you're infected? You didn't have to download or sideload anything. I, I don't know of hardly any reports of malware that hasn't come through random downloads on random websites of apps. Really? I mean, I'm sure I'm wrong. Well, I, I can prove you wrong right now with this piece about the malicious Android application that targets specific well-known financial entities posing as a token generator application. Well, how, how, do, you, how do they access it? I mean, how does that, how does, how does that come into contact with them? Like, uh, it's it's an application I mean? that grabs banking passwords from a mobile device without infecting the user's computer. It's, but where do they get? Where does someone get that application? It's been dubbed fake token. It contains man-in-the-mill functionality to hijack two-factor authentication tokens and can be remotely no. controlled. I know, I'm getting there. And can be remotely controlled to grab the initial banking password directly from the infected mobile device. The application targets specific well-known financial entities and poses as a token generator application. So it is. The application gets installed. The malware uses the logo and colors of the bank in the icon of the application, which makes it appear credible to the user. When the application executes, it shows a web view component that displays an HTML or JavaScript web page that pretends to be the token generator. Okay, but does it say how it gets onto their phone? uh, By downloading, I guess. But how? So that's my point. My point is is that... Um, that's still probably coming from some random site, right? That's not coming from the Android market, I doubt. Uh, so, so, but, so, I'll, I'll continue. Be, I'll continue. The, the problem is, as Seth and Seth's hair, uh, is that it could be coming from a app uh, on the App Store that has no malicious intent uh, uh, that's immediately obvious, but has a timer built into it that, after a certain date, uh, will uh, start monitoring certain things or, or whatnot. And besides, another comment on that subject would be every single app I've ever downloaded has asked me to allow this this uh, app to use certain permissions on the phone. I read them. How many other people do? 
And but, but, even if they knew, and even if they read them, how would they know to interpret them? But the thing is, Joey, you can read them all you want. You Android, until it provides the functionality to pick and choose, say, yeah, I want the app, but I don't want it to have access to this or this, but I want to be able to do this and this. Until that happens, it doesn't matter. Read it all you want. People are still going to click yes. Well, and the more they get right. used to that, the more they get that, what's it called, click memory? Uh, or I, I've, had, I've had apps where I have not, where I have not... Uh, downloaded them because I thought they had too many permissions, right? Like there was a game that needed access to my address book or something. And I was like, nope, you know, that's not happening. Um, so I don't think it's so odd that people will read those. But anyways, a larger point is, I mean, I think that it's okay that people are downloading things from the Android market, right? I would say that for the vast majority of people, if you go to this Android, Android you know, teaching seminar or whatever, and you stick mainly with the Android market and stick mainly with the stuff. It's called Google whatever. Play. Oh, yeah, you're right. Google Play. I'm Thank sorry. You. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Stick mainly to the top, you know, recommended apps or whatever, you know, especially for people who are at this level. What, what are they going to be searching for? You I mean they're going to just look okay, at the top? Right, hold on, hold Seth, on I have one. They're going to be fine. Jo- hold on, Joey. I think Joey? it's great, whoa, whoa, and I think whoa, people whoa, should Seth, use their phones. Seth. We can't live. We can't live scared of like every little no. I agree. Bug or thing that comes up, we just have to use our I, phones, use them as normal people. Try to be careful, and if something happens, then deal with it. But listen, just, like use your phone and deal with it. These are ho- these are hu- <laughs> homo beings. These are human beings. <laughs> Jesus, uh, and they will be looking for porn. I guarantee it. And there's your. I don't. Vector. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much experience. I don't know. Okay, hold, hold on a minute. Before, before uh, okay, we go Joey. down the porn route, and all of a sudden there's a stripper pole in Matt's house. No, I'm just saying most malware, uh, that's where people get bit, in my in my experience. Here's the thing, though. What you're, think, what you're forgetting, Seth, is that, yes, they may be teaching them legitimate ways of going and finding apps, but what happens when they get a text message that appears to be from someone that they know that contains a link to an APK that says, hey, this is XYZ app no, that's really awesome. Right. Download it. No, I agree. There are, there, are, there are methods of attack widely available, right? But so, what is the what is the alternative to being like? Here, you should learn how to use your phone, and you should like use it. The like alternative is educating these people beyond just saying, "Here's how to dial a phone number and to download apps." Like, go a little. I mean, you don't have to blow sure. their minds, but I feel like Verizon, at least here locally, and like I said, I don't know what other stores are doing, or if this is just something the store here is doing, or if they're all doing it. But if you're taking the time and you're getting the people in there. Don't sell them short. Take an extra five minutes, and if you don't know about it, find someone that does. I guarantee there's a nerd in there somewhere that is just dying to show you how much he knows about this stuff above and beyond the minimum wage that you're paying him. I promise you. And that's all it takes, but they don't care because just like this lady I talked to, they're of the mind state that it doesn't matter. And that's dangerous. It's going to only get way, more we dangerous. Sh- we should mention that Verizon stores are not all owned by Verizon right. Wireless. And this is uh, an independent Verizon Wireless dealer. That correct. Is doing who, is, who is independently offering a class, which is no doubt intended to swing people into buying their devices at their store. That is the intent, whether we like it or not. They're trying to sell more phones... Uh, to more people, and they're offering an educational program to get them in the door. This, by the way, is no different than what Mac has been doing, or Apple has been doing for years, subsidizing educational computers 
with the intent that people would uh, buy Apple when they had a chance, when they were out on their own to buy them. So personally, I would almost rather these people that don't know how to use their, I would rather have them completely not knowing how to use it than having them know just enough to be dangerous. If you need to, t- I, I feel like they're just, they're, sh- they're dropping it short here and that they have the, the opportunity The people are going to be there. Like take a f- take five minutes and say you know and here's here's what's out there and here's how to you know just keep an eye on it and that's all and sure most people it's gonna go in one ear and out the other but at least you tried like all you're trying to do here is upsell it seems like and it's I don't know it it just seemed the the nonchalance and the uncaringness and I get it you're making nothing and this is our passion but. I, I I don't know, man. I, that seems like it's only going to get worse. The more of these devices get into the hands of uneducated people that don't know what they're doing with them, the worse it's going to get. And we're going to get to a critical mass where it is going to be big enough to drop the network and something bad's going to come of it. I, I feel it. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. So, all right. Uh, any final thoughts on that, Eric? I would just say, I mean, to your original point um, that saying that it's Verizon's responsibility, I don't necessarily think it's their responsibility, um, It's, but it is probably in their best interest to educate their customers. You don't feel the carrier um, if is... If somebody is going to go... No, no, absolutely not, because if... You know, if Dell sells me a computer, it's not their responsibility to teach me. No, about, but listen, if you, know, you Trojans and things like that, that's true. They're the device. But if you if you use, let's say here for a local example, Montana Sky Internet to get on Internet and something happens, they're the first place you call for tech support because it was their Internet. So yeah. that's the only so, reason so I say a, Verizon it's in their best interest. Exactly. It's in their best interest because it will because the, if you don't educate your customers, more people have problems. They raise your support costs. But saying it's their responsibility, I think it's just it's probably taking it further than that I, is true. I agree with that. Um, it's in their it's best. Definitely, yeah. Their best I, I agree with that. It's in their best interest. Maybe not necessarily their responsibility. Is is the only responsibility then to finish this up? Is it on the individual end user at at, at the end of the day? to educate themselves or to take the steps to learn about it? I I don't. I mean, I, I think so, yes. But at the same time, I mean, that's why, you know, that's why we're here. And that's why, you know, other people that talk about this stuff are here. You know, we, it's, you know, it's our opportunity to fill that gap and to educate people about this sort of thing. That's that's okay. Yeah, that's a good point. And that opens up a, a niche for people like us who are passionate about it. It just I, I don't know. I guess what burned me is that, you know, they have the people there and they're doing this class. And when I saw the class, I wanted to go to it and like learn something, I guess. And like when it hit me that it was very beginner, I was kind of like, oh, you know, so that that's I agree. So, with Matt, you here's what you do. Start you go to my the own class, damn class. You get some business cards made from Vista Print or something, <laughs> and then you hand out Attack of the Androids cards and say, "Listen, if you want the Insights Group, listen to this podcast." That's a brilliant idea. That's simple. I might have to do that. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> all right. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about. This isn't really Android related, but we're all nerds here, and we all uh, we all are interested by this whole RIAA, MPAA, SOPA, like that whole thing where I feel like we're, we have some interest in it. So this is a site, I just want to help spread the word with this, 
It's called sendthemyourmoney.com. <laughs> this is so brilliant. Basically, it's broken down into sections, and it says the problem, this is a campaign to send the RIAA and the MPAA billions, okay? So the problem is that these two industry associations, they claim that the internet is stealing billions of dollars worth of their property by sharing copies of files. They're willing to destroy the internet with things like SOPA and PIPA in attempt to collect that money. The inspiration. Hundreds of years ago, a Japanese judge handled a lawsuit by a paranoid innkeeper who accused a poor student of literally stealing the fumes of his cooking by eating when the innkeeper was cooking to flavor his dull food. Although his colleagues advised the uh, innkeeper to throw the case, or the judge to throw the case out as ridiculous, he decided to hear the case. The judge resolved the matter by ordering the student to pass the money he had in one hand to his other, and ruling that the price of the smell of food is the sound of money. So that brings us to the solution. Let's just pay them the money! That's all. They've made it very clear that they consider digital copies to be just as valuable as the original. That makes it a whole lot easier to pay them back in two ways. A, we can email them scanned images of dollar bills instead of bulky paper. And B, we don't have to worry about the hassle of shipping huge quantities of cash. Now here's how you can help. We should all get involved. Take a picture or scan an image of your money. Send digital copies to the MPAA and RIAA in whatever quantity you feel you can afford. Don't go overboard. If you can only afford 20 copies, hey, then that's good enough, okay? If enough people contribute, we should be able to fully satisfy even their most outrageous demands. And they have two links here to their contact pages. And uh, help spread the word. Wikipedia gave me a copy, and I made a copy of it here. Please make your own copies, if you can afford to do so. And if your images are out of your budget, here is some ASCII money, which, again, copy is a copy. It's just as good. This was run by Jake Gold for fun. You should check it out, and I'll put links to it in the show notes, because it is very, very amusing. So send them the money, right? That makes sense. You're saying these copies are, you want millions? Then we'll make copies of our millions, and there you go. Problem solved. Moving on. I wouldn't say that's exactly like a, a very good one-to-one comparison, but it is, <laughs> it's definitely funny. Uh, definitely funny. It's pretty awesome. I, th- I if, thought. As, I mean, as a uh, you make. I mean, you make music, Matt. I mean, you've you've talked a little bit about this. Yeah. Um. So you make music, and still, I mean, you're you're behind this idea of sort of you know sticking it to the man. Screw the RIAA. Well, I am, and I, I don't know if things would be different had I been picked up at, a, at, at 12 years old, uh, you know, like a Justin Bieber or something, but the way I was raised and the way I grew up and then my environment, like, I, I was always of that mindset that, you know, now we have the tools and stuff, make the music and put it out for free and get as many people listening to it for free as possible. The ones that appreciate it will donate, but what that does is gets the word out so when you actually go to perform your music, people will know who you are and they will say, hey, I like that kid's raps. I would love to see him do that live. And that's where you make your money. That, that's what I've always thought. I, was, I never started rapping to make it rich, clearly, but I always thought that, hey, if I get it out there and people like it, they'll pay it. And if they want to see me perform it, I'll do that too. You know, it's, 
I'm not just out there lip syncing like some of these people that say they're performers, but there, there's an art form to it. And, and yeah, it's, it's just like podcasting. You know, the people that start podcasts to get rich bail in like three weeks because it, unless you're a big name and you have a built-in audience, it's not going to happen. But those of us well, that do this... Would you consider a, a concert tour with Vanilla Ice? No. MC Hammer, uh, we'll talk. Not Vanilla Ice. Come on. I have standards. But no, like it, it. I don't know. It, I have a problem when when these companies sue these people for more money than it costs to make the song in the first place, or when they scam people selling them an album full of crap with two good songs on it, or you know, just there's a ton of things they do that I really don't agree with. And and if it came to it, I I don't know if I I don't I like to think that I would not sell out, but who knows? Who knows? anybody's guess but and and even things like kickstarter you know if i wanted to if if i needed help paying for my budget of making this album which i don't because i work with really good people that just like doing this i would have started a kickstarter and said here's three songs here's some spoken word stuff if you guys want a whole album help me pay for it and i'll make one if not i'm happy just listening to my own music you know screw you guys worked for severed fifth Exactly, exactly. And and I've always, I don't know, it just, that seemed like the right thing to, the right way to go about it. And then when I hear people like Severed Fifth and like, um, oh crap, Her in Kings County and like all these, these other bands that, that are doing it, it kind of validates the idea that I've had that it's like, yeah, this, this could work. And if not, then who cares? You're making music, man. That's cool. So, uh, back to Android as this show is. Um, did you guys want to, did you have any other thoughts on the whole remote control Android malware stealing banking credential stuff? Are you guys good? So do we know, uh, like which banks are uh, like are affected? Oh, let me see it. It says, uh, it's, it's basically like I mentioned before, it's a token generator that spoofs, you know, your, so you think it's generating, uh, a token. Can you explain a token real quick, Eric? Just. Sure. Yeah. So, um, my, I mean, my, just my understanding, which, you know, is probably not as technical as deep as some people could go, is that you know when you're when you're doing this authentication, you're passing information back and forth with, um, with the bank. So it sounds like, um, the you know this application, uh, you said it was doing a man in the middle attack. So it's making the bank think that it's you, and it's making you think it's the bank. So it's intercepting all these all these little tokens or piece of information that you're using to authenticate, um, uh, it's intercepting those, uh, copying them or doing whatever it does with them, and then passing it back on to you. So you probably never even know that it's happening until, you know, your bank account's hacked and money's missing and things like that. Right, and see, what I understood, a token, you you don't want to be passing passwords back and forth in the clear, so what you do is hash that, you throw in a little salt so that it's not just the password, you have some noise in there, a little entropy. And then you, from that and the encryption key, you generate what is the token. And basically, unless you have the key and the salt to put back into this algorithm, you're not going to get the right the right token so that that's how i understood it uh from wiki in regards to dual factor or two-factor authentication um these can be hardware like the secure ids uh from rsa it can be like the the uh paypal uh fob verisign there 
there's tons of different uh, ways to do this, but what it breaks down to is that it, it, it's giving you authentication services. It's used to prove your identity electronically. Uh, it, it is used in addition or in place of a password to prove that the customer is who they say they are. The token acts like an electronic key to access something. Uh, some of them may store cryptographic keys like a digital signature, biometric data like your fingerprint minutia. Uh, some designs feature tamper-resistant packaging. Others are small keypads for a PIN number. Uh, it's all sorts of stuff. RFID, Bluetooth, USB. I mean, th- these things can be used in in any any way, basically. So, One word of caution: uh, a lot of people think that this sort of thing is limited only to the big banks. You know, your Bank of America. Oh your no, Chase, Gmail uh, uses it. I mean, if you use two-factor authentication with that, the Authenticator app, that's generating your tokens uh, for your number to put in. Well, that wasn't what I was going. I meant the oh. that people were only targeting the big financial institutions oh, right. with this sort of app. Right. Uh, and that's not the case at all. Uh, one of the uh, the most frequent spam alerts uh, for about a six-month period I got was from my uh, main savings federal credit union, which is this tiny little, you know, four or five country, uh, four or five county in Maine uh, credit union with far less, I would assume, than a million subscribers, way less. Um, and they were getting, and people were getting uh, spam that was a phishing attempt uh, to to get into their main savings account. Um, I don't really know why someone picked them, but even the small institutions are on the grind. Well, and I mean, do you, I'd say you go where the numbers are, but in this case, you just kind of go with what's easy. And ten, doesn't it tend to be that the the smaller institutions are maybe not as secure as the larger ones? I mean, I've. I drive around, sometimes I randomly just flip on my Wi-Fi sniffer just to map Wi-Fi point, just for fun, right? And I find banks here in Kalispell, Montana, that their Wi-Fi is web encrypted still. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You're a yeah, bank? But, th- but, but they're not running secure Wi-Fi or the, the secure financial transactions over that. Or let me. How do you know? Way. They really shouldn't. You. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll, uh, I'll send you a cap of their uh, packets. But anyway, that's – and they don't know. And that's why I could see you would target the smaller ones because, sure, maybe their security isn't on as, as on par as, as maybe it should be. So anyway. Well, and the- you probably trust – I mean you trust your local credit union maybe a little bit more. Like you're used to seeing the, the spam that looks like it's coming from Bank of America or whatever. Maybe you're not used to seeing stuff from so- your – local bank unless it's really important let me ask you this eric in that case whose responsibility is the security is that still the end user or is that the bank's responsibility now yeah that's that's an interesting legal question i have no idea i mean my my gut reaction would tell me that um you know it's it's another best interest thing it's it's really in the best interest of the bank to um you know to to try to to take this stuff as much as possible uh, I don't know what they would be legally liable for, or what they wouldn't be, um, but there's probably a point where if they're being negligent that they could get in trouble. I see. So in this case, because of the sensitivity of the documents that they're holding, the responsibility or even in a legal sense could fall on them. But because in the cell phone case, it's not finances, there are maybe less strict rules on how to handle uh, this kind of information, like if you're dealing with banking information, you have to have these standards of, you know, 
I'm not sending anything via the clear in, over the internet. Or, you know, there's a whole set of standards. Same with medical records. So maybe because of the the cell phone companies and those regulations, they don't have to be. So maybe that's the answer. Then maybe those things need to be treated more like your sensitive finances, social security stuff, uh, health stuff like that, maybe. And that would fix that would then take the responsibility a little bit less, or it would take more of it off of the user and put it on the industry, which is where I think it belongs. But, well, I think that, I mean, financial institutions play by a whole different set of rules than, than telecommunications. Even with, um, I mean, if you think back to the Patriot Act, I mean, that, that had a lot of legislation right. uh, within it that said, you know, you have to do a lot more verification of people's private information, yep. like Apple's- social security numbers and things like that. So that <clears throat> that puts them in a whole different level of um, responsibility from a legal standpoint, um, as far as I can tell. Right, yeah, it's apples and oranges, it sounds like, but... Interesting. But and we are not lawyers. No, that not by any stretch of the imagination. Although I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Um so basically you you get the fake token. Uh this guy his name's Castilla. He discovered that the user must enter the first factor of authentication used to obtain initial access to the banking account. If this is not performed, the application gives you an error. Uh quote when the user clicks Generar or Generate, the malware shows the fake token, which is in fact a random number, then sends the password to a specific cell phone number along with the device identifiers, which is your IMEI or, and your IMSI number. Uh, the same information is also sent to one of the control servers along with further data, such as the phone number of the device. The malware finds the list of control servers from an XML file inside the original APK. Uh, He said that the malware also contains commands to update itself or spy on the infected machine. Uh, Castillo found that the fake token app can also hijack the list of contacts stored in the device. Name and number. You know why it might want to do that? Oh, hey, have you seen this app? Well, check me out. I'm awesome. Five-star ratings. What's up? (laughs) Uh, Android malware that targets financial entities is in constant evolution. From man-in-the-middle attacks, we now see more sophisticated, remote-controlled banking trojans that can get more than one factor of authentication and update itself to, for example, modify a phishing attack to get other required credentials, such as the name or the ID number of the user, to then perform electronic fraud. Due to the increasing popularity of Android and mobile banking apps, we expect that more threats like this will appear. So, uh, be careful. Do you, any of you guys use any banking apps? I do not, personally. I don't either. Or do you, I guess, would you consider PayPal a banking app? I guess in a way, right? It's tied to your bank account if you verified it through your sure. credit. Okay, so I do use, I use PayPal. Yeah, I don't, I don't use anything. You're I don't Amish. need like I don't like you need instant access to my bank account anytime. It's like I can do that once a night <laughs> when I'm at my computer or something That's like that. That's true. I do have to say I love I I like the PayPal app more on my phone than I like going to the PayPal website. It's all about ease of use, and it's easier for me. I was going to say, but that's a preference and a convenience. It's that's easier not for me. a security standpoint. Well, true, true. But it's, it is, it's much easier for me to access my account through the app with the quick PIN number and that factor 
uh, the dual factor there than it is going through my computer. And the interface is much nicer. It's better set up to handle quick things. Like I just need to toss some money in my account real quick. It's so much faster using the app. And I think as as these things get more pervasive, that that more attacks will be written for them, and you know everyone's gonna have to step up their game. And there's gonna be that fledgling group left behind who is just constantly having the worst time of their life with their Android or iOS device, because no one showed them. They just need a teacher. They need to listen to Attack of the Androids. They need to subscribe to our feed and all that good stuff. We'll teach. But pretty interesting. This is, you know what it reminded me of with the whole token hijacking thing was Fire Sheep. Before all of the social sites went SSL and you could just hop into a a city brew or a Starbucks and just pop up, you know, everybody that's logged into everything. It's kind of the same idea, a little man in the middle attack, but nice and automated for you. So. All right. Well, what else? (laughs) Did you see the uh, it's HTC uh, Bogdan Belay again on, on GroovyPost.com had a nice list of which HTC devices are getting the ice cream sandwich update? Seth, you're kind of our device man. You want to you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I mean, the problem with HTC, HTC update, I mean, I've, I haven't seen it yet, obviously. But and you um, run you know, The Incredible? What are you on? No, I do run The Incredible, yeah, but I'm not going to put on... I, number one, it's not going to get updated to HGC. <laughs> it's not going to get updated to ice cream sandwich. Right, right. Um, I'll be, I mean, CyanGen hopefully will be doing that. Um, but uh, so I haven't seen it, but I have seen some like videos of it and, and things. And um, since oh, I forget what number are we on now? Is this since four with this? I, I, I forget what sense this is going to four. be, but whatever sense this is going to be, yeah, because it matches. Makes, and... makes it look just like gingerbreads sense. Oh, really? Which is really too bad. Because um, it really tries to hide like all the features of ice cream sandwich, and you hardly even know you're using ice cream sandwich. It, it's just it's really more like scents and not ice cream sandwich. And I know that the underlying code has changed, but for people who get this update, it may not seem like that much has changed on their phone because their phone will still look like HTC sense, which is disappointing to me. So Seth, do you yeah. on your so you run you run ice cream sandwich on the touchpad and then on your wife's Galaxy Nexus. Yes. Um, have you jumped to one of the like alternate launchers like Apex or Nova yet, or are you still stock on both of those? I'm still on stock. I, I you know I don't actually. I was hoping I'd use my wife's phone more than I do, but I just haven't played with it as much as I was as I think I would. But I've used my touchpad a lot, and I still just I'm just using the stock. Although I still don't like the. There's still some things that frustrate frustrate me about the ICS tablet interface. I think the phone interface is much slicker. The tablet interface frustrates me in some ways, and I, but That's I just haven't so, got around to. I'm totally the opposite of you. I love it on my Prime. I I don't not like it on my Galaxy Nexus. I just I don't know. Some things seem just, and maybe it's because it's a quad core compared to a dual core. But some things just seem better on the prime i i don't know maybe it's just me and my dumb head. you mean do you mean the ui layout or do you yeah mean the just way it functions? i find myself enjoying the navigation and the fluidity of of ics on my prime more than i do on my galaxy nexus okay I, i'm not trying to do that but is it because it's a nice big screen and it's fast or are there actually like ui problems with the phone that you find frustrating i think a lot of it you're probably right a lot of it has to do with the screen and how big it is and i yeah. can lay out my stuff a little nicer yeah, totally. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe 
I, I don't want to say that the quad core runs it that much better than the dual core because I know a lot of that is just wasted resource. You know, the, the, the OS is only going to take up so much above and beyond that. It's just what apps you're running. So I don't, I don't really know. It just now maybe it's because I had such a terrible experience with the offset of, of when the first ICS updates came out for the primes because it made them so unstable. Sure. And now with the one five OTA, it runs perfectly. So maybe I'm just like, I wanted it to work for so long and now it does. So I like it more, but I don't know. I use my phone all day in my truck because uh, I deliver and it just, I don't know. I'm always just refreshed. Like there's, it's almost like a, a weird little weight lifted off my shoulders whenever I pop onto my prime. Like there's, I just like it. I, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's psychological. No, probably. Uh, so Eric, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure if you were making a comparison between those skins, maybe an HTC skin or something, but it's still, I, I think the, what I was going to say like, is I think those skins, Oh, go ahead. Seth. I'll say I like the ICS just vanilla user. I mean, now, maybe I do like, in general, I do like Cyanogen and those custom mod stuff much better than I like carrier. Or I mean, not carrier, manufacturer mods, right? Like, so some of those custom skins and things that even come with Cyanogen, uh, not not custom skins, but those launchers. What's the one that comes with Cyanogen right now? ADW. That's Is that ADW. it? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, so, like, that's pretty sweet. I love and it. Maybe that on a maybe that on ice cream sandwich would be good, too. But it seems to me like those launchers usually keep sort of the general feel of the feel of the vanilla underlying system uh, or operating system. And these HTC Sense, it's almost like you're not running an ice cream sandwich phone, you're writing an HTC Sense phone that sort of sits on top of ice cream sandwich. And that's a little disappointing to me. Can I ask, do you... And, and I think that's the point. Go ahead, Eric. I was, I was, the only thing I was going to say is that's, that, was the, that was the point that I was, that I was driving towards is that I think it's a shame that, you know, sense is going to you know be more gingerbread versus ice cream sandwich but i think that the a lot of the launchers that we've seen um recently um really do have a lot of that vanilla feel to them so yeah people should be able to put those on and still get the ice cream sandwich uh experience um just not out of the box do yeah you... right so i'd recommend that if you're getting an ice cream sandwich update Make it look like ice cream sandwich and not HTC Sense, and you'll enjoy it more. That's my opinion. Do you guys um, feel like we're ever going to get to a point where the carriers, or not the carriers, or the manufacturers, where they just leave well enough alone and they focus on their strong suits, which is well, providing the data connectivity that doesn't they, crash every other day or something they like that? All, the manufacturers have been talking, and I think every single one of them basically has admitted that they're their failures, whatever you call them, complete and utter failures that they they've admitted finally that they've completely and utterly failed and well, ruined HTC the Android experience. Well, came out saying lot. that their skin, that their sense was getting bloated or something like that. Yeah, getting. How about has always been and will always be. No, I just don't understand why they continue to do this. Maybe back when one six or two point maybe it needed it. I guess. Well, I don't. Here's here's what I think is that. They started off as a value proposition, right? And a way to differentiate. That's the big key word. That everyone right, about, right, right. Okay. Uh, particularly when Android was maybe not as good as it could have been. You know, sure. So, like, for instance, HTC, I think, was one that started that lock screen stuff, right? All the new different slide to your email, slide to your camera, slide to your... If I remember, I'm not 100% sure about that, but they were certainly one of the first, if not the first. They held the prior art but, on that? Because Apple uh, kind of made it sound like that was all their ideas. 
Well, I don't, I don't know, but uh, certainly HTC, the Sense was the the first skin, I think, to do it. And I don't know about, I don't know the the legal like sure. artwork, sure. but I'm just talking like people, like phones people could hold in their hands. HTC had one of the first phones that okay. you could hold your hands. I forget which one it was. It maybe was the Evo 4G, maybe, that had that slide, you know, slide your camera, slide your email. I forget 100%. But I know it was the Sense. And um, that did some good stuff, right? Like that has moved Android in a good direction, right? It's great to be able to on to to slide to do those things that saves you some time. So they added, they did add things that were good value propositions. Now ice cream sandwiches, and now I mean Android, the base operating system, and particularly ice cream sandwich, has had time to sort of evolve and get better, and their value propositions are shrinking, but their bloating is still high, and they're still taking up a lot of system resources. And so what originally was like a way to distinguish themselves and say, you know, we're differentiating, we are, we're sense. And, you know, these other guys have uh, modal blur, uh, although they're not calling it modal blur anymore because they know that was a bad branding. But anyways. um, (laughs) I just feel like that they have to have had some sort of meeting where they're like, you know, all the feedback we've ever gotten on our overlays over Android has been negative and terrible, but well, we still and, seem to just fight against all of our users. And you know, who cares what they think? They're going to no, pay. No, I mean they do. Way. They do. They do. They have said that some people love their skins. Like they're just they're adamant about that. Some people that, like, love some the jitter. Love sense, some, and they like. Android is nothing if it's not sense. So I don't. I'm not one of those people. I don't know many people like that, but they make that. Yeah, claim. but some people love to write applications for the TI-83 Plus calculator. Some people love the jitterbug phone. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, that's a terrible uh, bar to measure by. But I, I get what you're saying. It, it's. I just hope that they come to their sense eh, and and stop this this silliness. Well, because... so that was the second part to my story here. Is that. Now, I think they are realizing, particularly with Ice Cream Sandwich, that a lot of that functionality has been taken into the main operating system. The code is better, that their, their, their skins are getting bloated, people are getting frustrated, it's getting confusing. How many Facebook, you know, like, for instance, I remember I was with my sister's Motorola with her, well, I forget, maybe the Droid 2, I think, global. And there was, like, three Facebook apps. And she's like, well, which Facebook do I use? And I was like, well, one is HTC's Facebook, one is, like, Facebook's Facebook, through the Android market, you know I mean, and one is this other like Facebook. It causes more confusion than it's actually yes. helping to clear up at that point, which is completely self defeatist of what they were trying to accomplish in the first place of making this a more intuitive and easier uh, user experience. Yeah, yeah, they had no idea. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, right. So, so now it seems like that. You know, after that, they're realizing that caused a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration, even though it was a value proposition and it was maybe good at one point. Now they're realizing that that is definitely dropping and they're starting to cut back. I think basically everyone is starting to cut back on the customization, or at least they're saying they will. Let's hope, right? In Let's... order to, in order to, no, I don't think they're ever going to go to vanilla because they still have this idea that they need to differentiate in more than just hardware. They need to differentiate software too. Which I think is sort of dumb. But, I think I mean, if I they just a little bit, if they just focused on differentiating their hardware 
and left the software alone, I think a lot of them would come up with some way more innovative ideas and designs than what we've seen. I, I mean, yeah, they might. And Focus so, on batteries. <laughs> I mean, do something although, else that's helpful. I mean, although, for instance, like this Motorola's new skin, which they're, what do they call it? Mo- they don't call it anything. It's just Motorola, but it's like Moto Light, Moto Blur Light or something is what I think people are calling it. Um, and so, uh, you know, that has those, like, smart functions, which actually seems like that could be... I haven't really delved into that very much, but it seems like it could be useful. You know what I mean? It's like adds another layer of functionality on top of... You know what? I wouldn't have such a problem with it if they also added in the functionality to completely disable it. Hide it if you want. Just at least put it in there so those of us advanced enough, may we don't want to completely ROM our phones... At least let us turn that off. But they don't. I think that's a great. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, that would be huge. At least give us the option. That way, the people that don't know better or don't want to, they can use this. Those of us that want to, we can use this. Or and we're not killing our warranties. And, I mean, there's so many upsides to it. Or for make the them. End user. Or make them apps you can uninstall and sure. then re-download through sure. the through the market. That's you know what I mean, the other like problem I always had is why they make them come with so many apps you can't get rid of, and they're such well, useless apps. It 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 seems that's like probably with, carriers needing making trying to make money. I mean, I think that's sure, like there. with when you buy a Dell, it comes loaded with yeah, junk exactly. that you wipe clean the first thing exactly. you do. But a lot of people don't, you know, and a lot of people end yeah. up getting sucked into subscriptions or whatever, and and that's where they make their money. And like, and right. fine, make be greedy capitalists, whatever. <laughs> so, right. Hey guys, did you, um, Oh, go ahead. Seth. No, that was it. Okay. Can I real quick? I just want to run down the list of the phones that are going to get it on HTC, the droid incredible Two, the amaze 4g, the desire S, the desire HD, the Evo 3d, the Evo Design 4G, the Incredible S, Sensation XL, 4G, XE, the Raider, the Resound, the Rhyme, the Thunderbolt, and the Vivid. Bogdan Belay has a great post all about this on GroovyPost.com where we write, so check it. He says it's about time HTC did this in closing. The company has shown the first devices running ICS recently, the One X, the One XL, the One V, and the One S, but none of their older smartphones had been upgraded to it. So there you have it. Um, before hey, we, since we're talking about design, oh yeah, can go I for it. can I just want to please go ahead, Matt. Do it. No, go. Okay, it's all you. Cool. Did you guys see the interview that uh, Johnny Ives did with? Um, I think it was uh, This Is London. Um, he was talking about a lot of stuff, but one of the one of the interesting things that was in there, uh, they asked, um, you know, basically like what what is it that Apple's competition is uh, struggling with? And I thought that his answer was pretty interesting. Um, basically saying that, um, you know, the competitors are really interested in doing something different or they want to appear new, uh, versus actually trying to be genuinely better. Um, and basically that, uh, implying that Apple, you know, has a, like a higher, I don't know, like a higher calling when it comes to these devices than, uh, other manufacturers do, which, you know, is a little, uh, I don't know, a little overblown maybe, but um, at the same time, I think it's a really interesting point uh, that are these manufacturers actually trying to make a better product or just make a product that is different enough to sell? I think so, I think uh, I think that's a really good point, and particularly if we look at the development of Android in the past, let's say eight months. You know, where HTC, I feel like, has particularly struggled with this problem, right? Where they're trying to differentiate but really they're just creating these totally uninteresting products the resound or something you know where they're just like 
sure, it's got the right specs, but it's boring as I'll get out, you know. Uh, and then Motorola, I felt like, was falling into that, but then the Razer came around, with, which had this sort of little interesting look and was maybe a, a new and a good direction, I mean, of, of some sense. Uh, but then I feel like maybe the difference in Android is Samsung in that, you know, the Galaxy S2 was a great phone that uh, I feel like was built to be a good phone. And the Galaxy S3 hopefully will shape up to be something similar, right? So that they're actually building a great product that will differentiate itself, not a product that's different. You know what I mean? And so, or not a product that relies on extra additions to the software, which let, lag it down well, to the be the difference. The galaxies aren't stock. You know what I mean? They're no, running, I know. What is Samsung? Samsung's is uh, TouchWiz. Is it TouchWiz? TouchWiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they still have TouchWiz on them. Well, I, we don't know what the three will have. Hopefully, not much. But so they well, still are doing it. But I feel like that the hardware is differentiating itself rather than trying to make the software differentiate itself. That's interesting. I, f- I feel like some of them are just doing enough to get by because maybe they f- they th- making mobile devices isn't their only game. So they're they're, you know, trying to diversify a little bit. So they do a little here, a little here, a little here instead of a company like Apple, who is focusing a lot on, you know, a few different things. You know, they're not making all this other junk that that a lot of these other manufacturers are into because they were companies long before there was such a thing as Apple or such a thing as Google. You know, these guys were making old uh, vacuum tube, you know, amps and TVs back in the day. So it, it takes a lot to get some of these people to pivot their business models or to really realize what they have with this mobile and that you can create these massive communities built around these devices with a, a perfect marriage of the software and the hardware and and I don't know I I don't I think some of these dinosaurs just aren't quite getting it yet they will I mean clearly everything's shifting to mobile clearly I mean e- even gaming I I wrote I did a review uh, on the top 5 when when Google Play was doing the 49 cent app sale I hopped on there and bought a, a quite a few games for my tablet and you know I, these I, I would have, if this would have been my Xbox 360 that I don't own, if, if I would have, I would have spent $120, you know, and been maybe upset that one of these games wasn't that good. When I spend 49 cents or two ninety nine or three ninety nine or whatever, and the game's not that good, I'm not that terribly upset about it, you know, you know as opposed lot- to spending $60 on a game and it sucks and you're like, well, <laughs> you know, you that know- was terrible. You know, man, I know this is a mobile podcast, so I don't want to talk too much about this. But This is Android, uh, but whatever. An Android podcast. So I don't want to talk too much about this, but I know that uh, – I, I know I'm a Luddite, but, you know, everyone's saying that, you know, that we're post-PC era and all, everything's going mobile. But, like, for me particularly, like, I sit down and I try to play these, like, phone games and, like, tablet games. And, like, I understand the graphics are good, but, like, I hate trying to, like, press my fingers and, like – in these little circles. You know what, Seth? I'm so glad you mentioned that because... But hold, hold on, hold on, okay. man. I've got a point. I want to finish my point. And so, like, I don't... Number one, I don't really think the graphics are all that great. They're okay. They're good. I mean, I've seen... You know, I mean, they're good. Um, and the controlling issue is a problem. Um, and the games are cheap. But, like, if I'm going to spend hours gaming, I personally, I'd rather spend $60 on a great PC game, right? Like a, a Skyrim or something. Or, or Mass Effect 3, although I haven't played that yet, so that may not be very good. I know people are upset about the ending. But anyways, uh, I'd much rather spend like my time playing something that's like 
where the controlling is great, the graphics are great, the storyline is great, my time is well spent, rather than sort of like dinking around on a phone. Fair enough, but for a couple hours. Seth, like that's just my personal opinion. I don't, I don't want to see a post PC era. But think, I want to have an era where it's like I still can spend a few hours that I can gaming and like really high quality. Do you know what I mean? Like my time. Yeah, is no, I get it. As but well think spent of, as it can be. I'm Seth. not playing the newest. Tower defense game. Yeah, no, those games <laughs> I'm are so sick of tower defense Seth, games. Seth, <laughs> all right, listen, those games are stupid. Uh, first of all, how long has console gaming been around? What were their first input devices like? Terrible. The Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo yeah. nailed it. Nintendo nailed it. I'm thinking more of their initial a, a B a B plus I know. minus. Okay, listen, I I'm mean, thinking start. start. I'm thinking more Select. of Atari. I'm thinking more of the very first ones. They they had problems with the interface. The tablet, the first few re- revisions of a game, sure, they're, they're still working out the bugs. I'll tell you what. On this review I did, you have to get on your Prime, get Shadowgun, and get Dead Space. These are two third-person shooters that have completely nailed using an interface to control the character on a touchscreen. I had the same problem as you. My finger would drift off the controls. What these two games did is made... They split your screen in half. The right side of the screen is your action stuff, your shoot, your open door, stuff like that. The left side of the screen is all your movement. Now, they made it to where the controller follows your finger. So if you drift, like I tend to do, because we don't have a physical button there, it doesn't matter. As long as you're on the screen, you're still moving. These interfaces are so amazingly intuitive. Like, I I reviewed, you know, four games and one was camera zoom effects, because I didn't want to just be a game review, but... Need for Speed Underground, okay, car games are easy to do because you can just use the accelerometer, no problem. Osmos is just a whole nother level of of a kind of game, so whatever. But these third-person shooters are taking a page from, you know, either you can use an Xbox controller because it's Bluetooth, or you can use your phone as a controller, like I wrote on Groovy Post, how to do that. But what I'm finding is that playing them on the tablet, as long as you're your movement controller follows your finger, it's perfect. And I think the more that people have these devices to experiment with and the more they can experiment the developers themselves on different kinds of UI, I think they're really going to nail it. And these are the first two games that I've ever played on these tablets that that I feel like have, have completely nailed it. The graphics are amazing on the Tegra 3. The gameplay is great. The storyline is awesome. You put headphones on, and you're just immersed in this experience, On and you're playing on a tablet. Granted, I can HDMI out it to a big screen. I can grab an Xbox or a Wii controller and do that whole thing. But for just having a tablet and putting this game on it, and again, for $0.49, cents, it's amazing. For 250 it's amazing. Like, these they really got that problem down. And I feel like that was a problem a lot of people were having because we're used to having the controllers. We're used to being able to tactile, you know, we can feel where the button is. But so when you have that drift, you know, how do we fix it? And they just said, hey, follow it. And, man, it works. But I, I get what you're saying, though. It, it's It'll be interesting to see, like, how is a Nintendo going to completely give up on, you know, their their thing and just start being a game developer like Sega did? Or I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. So anyway, that's the top five Google Play 49 Synapse of the week I wrote. Just got published this evening before the show. Check it out on groovypost.com. 
at picks this week. What's good? What have you guys been playing? Uh, Eric? Okay. So I don't remember when or where I got this game, um, but it's called The Lost City. It's put out by this uh, this company. I think they're Fire Maple Games. And they had one other game that I played a while back. And it's sort of like, I mean, it's been a long time since I played, like, Mist, But it, feel, it, like, has that feel to it. You know, you're on you're on an island, and you sort of have to explore these different um, mm. areas and solve puzzles in order to keep going. Um, you know, it's not a long game. I think I I think I beat the entire thing in like four or five hours. Um, but for ninety nine cents, it was really really fun. So nice. these guys make pretty good quality games. So you should definitely check it out. Lost City, very cool, Seth. Um. I have one called... I don't know if I... I, See, I forget which one I already did, but I'll do this one because I'm pretty sure I haven't done this one yet. It's called The Legends of Yore. It is... The reason I like it is because it's a throwback to a game I played, like, on my very first computer. It's like a... I don't know what these are called. There's a name for them. I think they're called... uh, Oh, what are they called? Stupid? No, like Thief Games, something like that. It's like where if you die once, you die totally, I think. Uh, oh, I that's depressing. I can't remember the name of that game for it. Annoying? No, but they're like, anyways, it's like a dungeon crawler game where you like, you know, you pr- you put your finger and then you move and then like the skeletons move behind you and then you like press on the staircase to go up the stairs to the next level and it's a very like, it's a really super old looking game but it was a throwback to like my childhood and I, 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 I it's kind of a fun game just to play back and remind, remember the good old days. So Legends of Yore, it's cheap, it's fun. And there's a free version of it too. How Good. much is that? I want to say ninety nine cents for the full version, maybe. But you know, I bought this originally uh-huh. and I got the full version. But I, I don't know what it's. I don't know what it is. I know there is a free. You can play the first maybe ten levels or something, and then if you love it, you can keep going. Very cool. Legends nice. of Yore. Yep. Nice. All right, uh, Joey. Well, despite uh, Matt seeming to think that racing games are easy, I bear I beg to differ. Uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, my app tip this week. Um, this is this was on sale for forty nine cents in the Google Play forty nine cents uh, sale. Uh, I think it's regularly. One ninety nine, four ninety nine, three ninety nine, somewhere somewhere there. It's not a lot of money anyway. Uh, this is a basically a port to Android of the old uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit PC game. Uh, the graphics are different. It's not entirely the same except in title, uh, but it is definitely optimized for the phone. It plays really well. The graphics are... I would say probably the best I've seen on uh, on a phone. Uh, that having been said, this is the first racing game I have played on a phone. Um, but it was left me being totally enthralled. Um, the only thing that I have a problem with is that the LG phone that I've got uh, is not as nice as I originally thought and takes minutes to load this thing. Uh, but that's a, a hardware failure, not the game. Very cool. And actually, that was one of the picks I wrote about in the, the top five uh, 49-cent apps. That was uh, the one racing game. And it, it is. It's on the Prime. It's it's great. And being able to steer with your tablet, I love that. If they could – my one beef, and I wrote about this, is that 
I've yet to come across a tablet or a phone game that a racing game that will let you change the view to inside the car. Like I love playing those games from the inside the car view, and none of these will let you do it. Or maybe I just haven't figured out how. But yeah, if- the problem with the inside the car view is that it's very very intensive on uh, the uh, processing. Ah, it's simply because you've got static texts right. or te- static textures being applied over dynamic textures and those static textures in and of themselves have dynamic textures within them for instance the gauges uh that have to work on the dash uh, which are then superimposed over the windshield uh and the whole thing rotates within the world right and then you have all of the the reflections and the lighting and all that in the windshield for a reflection i, that, I never thought of that that's interesting joey it's, it's actually very, very difficult. And also the majority of people, myself included, uh, when you start talking about a racing game, it's very difficult uh, uh, to get a sense for where the car is in the road because you're not actually in it and you can't feel it moving. So it's actually, I find, much easier to run it in this second-person imaginary helicopter flying over the rear wing right, type right. Uh, that, mode. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, and I also, by the way, found that the steering wasn't all that great, but again, I think that was the LG phone. I don't think that was the, uh, uh, well, that was the game. Well, because you're steering with an accelerometer, right? So if, if your device has a lower quality accelerometer or maybe one that doesn't have the resolution necessary to really make it, to, to fool your mind into thinking you're steering, then yeah, I could right. definitely see that for sure. It's it's like I ran into that problem with the um, the light sensor on the Droid X. Once I got CM7 on there, you can adjust the different um, the different scales that it would use. But th- what they didn't tell you, and that took some reading to find out, is that the Droid X built the the light sensor itself only did four. So you could tell it to have all this sensitivity, but it was only doing the four that it you know it could do. So it's uh, sa- okay. same kind of idea, but. Uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Awesome game. Uh, my pick is another game. You know, I actually had something that was that was quite useful, but I'm so blown away by this game that I, I'm just going to say forget it, and I'll do the useful one uh, next week when I can actually remember what it is. Uh, so this game, I never heard of it before. I wrote uh, my review on the, the apps. It's called Osmos HD. There's a free demo. There is, I got it, like I said, for 49 cents. I believe it's still on sale. Uh, if you search for it for 40% off, I think they're still selling it for right around 50 cents. So I, I would definitely hop on this game. Play it with headphones, and it, it of course it tells you that oh it's two ninety nine so excuse me but there's a free demo, um the forty percent is over anyway it, it it says play it with headphones I would go in a dark room throw some amazing headphones on some nice bows or something like that and play this game it is so it you it's like I I equate it to like the modern version of Sudoku it's like a soothing puzzle game that is. It has nice soothing music and then the visual, you know, but it's not a puzzle game like Sudoku. It's a puzzle game like none I've ever encountered. 
Um, and then it allows the aliens to control your mind, and then you entirely take, and then they entirely take over the Enterprise, and then the entire Federation because of your one game. Is that what this is from? No. Uh, enter the Darwinian world of a galactic moat. A moat in God's eye? Who knows? Uh, to survive, absorb smaller organisms and grow, but beware of larger predators. This game has won uh, multiple Game of the Year awards, features unique physics-based play, stellar graphics, and a hypnotic soundtrack of ambient electronica. I love this game. You guys, I, I can't even begin to... You, you just have to play it. Uh, multi-touch awesomeness. You can pinch to zoom, tap to eject mass, flick to warp time. Unique physics-based gameplay to propel yourself, eject matter behind you, kind of like an ion drive, how that physics works. That's how you move your little cell around, and you just absorb things. But it's... I don't know. You you just have to play it. It's called Osmos. Uh, it was two ninety nine. It was four ninety nine. Then it was two ninety nine. Then it was forty nine cents. Now it's back to two ninety nine. So definitely jump up on it before it gets up to that five dollar price point. But honestly, play the demo and see if you like it because you may not like it. But I I am blown away by this game. It's beautiful both visually and uh, auditorily. <coughs> so there you go. Osmos HD. Great picks this week, gents. Uh, there was one last story I did want to discuss with you guys, especially since we got Eric uh, here. Did you see this piece about the Android pattern lock that has stumped the FBI? Basically, the FBI is seeking a warrant <coughs> to compel Google to unlock an Android phone that was confiscated from an alleged <coughs> pimp. And as we all know, pimping ain't easy, but when you have Android, it is a little easier. Uh, Special Agent Jonathan Cupina of the San Diego Division is requesting the warrant to authorize Google to, quote, provide law enforcement with any and all means of gaining access, including login and password information, password reset, and or manufacturer default code to the contents and memory of an alleged pimp's phone. The warrant request was filed March 9th, 2012. Uh, the full page thir- or the full 13 page request, which we'll put links to in the show notes off of this PC World article, uh, details the case of alleged pimp Dante Deers, who is a quote founding member of the Pimp and Hose Daily Gang. Pimp and Hose Daily. Can we say that here? Pimp and Hose Daily. Deers was initially released on parole January of 2009 after serving four years for his role as a founder of the gang, but he violated his parole on three occasions and served an additional one and a half years. So he got released. Then on January 11th, 2011, the FBI saw him using a cell phone for about six hours. Despite having denied possessing a phone for months, his parole officer confronted him about it. Uh, but he said, hey, that's not mine. It's my sister's. She also works. Well, uh, you also have to realize that he was on uh, doing personal ads under his handle, Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> that's right. Which I hope they port that to Android, speaking of gaming. <laughs> Uh, He eventually relinquished the phone to the parole officer, but refused to allow him to access it, a direct violation of said parole. According to the warrant request, Deer signed a form that stated he would, quote, not use any method to hide or prevent unauthorized users from viewing specific data or files, i.e. encryption, cryptography, steganography, compression, password-protected files, and that he would provide his login password to his parole officer upon request. So I think that's where he messed up because he signed the thing that basically gives up your rights anyway, 
But the phone, if you're curious, is a Samsung SGH T679, a.k.a. Which will now have the wholly successful advertising campaign, the phone of choice by pimps everywhere. That's right. Or the Samsung Exhibit 2 4G, a.k.a. the pimpin' ain't easy. Uh, which is T-Mobile's flagship handset for its no-contract $30 a month partner plan with Walmart. Walmart this just... will, of course, lead to another phone by HTC called Ice Ice <coughs> Baby. Uh, Walmart's... And a Motorola uh, a phone called... Uh, uh, oh, shoot. Uh, um, can't touch this. There you go. There you go. Nice. I like how Motorola is just helping pimping get easy just year after year. That's great. Rolling back prices, holding back the left hand, the pimp hand, keeping it strong. Uh, apparently, the FBI's forensics lab is stumped by an Android pattern lock. The warrant asks for the subscriber's name, address, social security number, account login info, all email and contact list info, and any email addresses or instant messenger accounts used on the phone, save search terms, web page history, GPS data, all text sent and received on the phone. If he was using Handsent, they'd be right there. And the times and duration of any web pages accessed on the phone between uh, June 1st and <coughs> January 17th. Uh, so... <laughs> So I'm curious how this plays with, um, if you remember, like uh, maybe a few weeks ago, uh, newdomain.net had the, um, it had the story about, uh, I believe it was an appeal circuit judge ruling that it's a violation of uh, Fifth Amendment Fifth Amendment rights to force somebody to In- like unencrypt or something like that. Right. So how do these parole laws? Play with that and does well, this constitute a But convicted felons on parole have different sets of rights and, than no. the ordinary person. And what, it prob- no, what it probably is is that, Eric, is that he's not self-convicting, right? He's not self-incriminating. But none of, Google's listen, giving him away. Seth, none of that matters because part of his parole, he signed that page that said he has no rights when it comes to this. He signed a piece of paper that said he would well, not do this, and it's indirect. Okay, but- violation of his parole even apart from parole there still is a matter of this isn't self-incrimination which is what the fifth amendment is right is it not yeah but, self, is. yeah but self-recrimination uh is when someone uh re- reveals evidence about themselves this is a person that's already a convicted felon no but what i'm saying is uh, what i'm saying is is that that other court was a Supreme Court. I think it was a District Court of California, if I remember right. Uh, the you know the or the not the yeah the the Appeals Court of California said that you know you don't have to give away your your own you don't have to give away your own true crypt password basically because doing so will self incriminate you right. But then wasn't so, there another ruling in a different court that said that it was considered something else that that didn't apply to? So yeah, it's up is, to the one, judge. This, this California one was the bigger one. Or it's this up, no, it doesn't one. matter, though, because it's both federal. It's up to the judge to pick which precedent he decides to go with no, in but this one, particular but in, case. Any of these eight states, I think, this California appeals court ruled over, they this is law now for those eight. I mean, this should be. This, this is pretty big for those eight states. But anyways... The point is that this is asking Google to incriminate them, right? Which is a totally different situation than asking yourself to give up your like. It's like we're going to sure. throw you in prison if you don't give up your own password. It's different than asking, "Hey Google, can you give us this password?" Right. That and is. And I would agree. It's. It sounded like at the beginning, though, they were trying to compel him to do it. Were they not, or did I misread that? Uh, oh yeah, they were trying to, and I feel like that would fall under the same. I mean, that would be problematic. It would accept that he signed those rights away. 
So it I don't know. Even matter. I don't know what. I don't, I don't know yeah. about parole, but and right. yes, Eric, in, in your comment on the chat, on the chat you. You can sign your rights away. I mean, as a photographer, I have a right to copyright a photograph. I can sign away that copyright. But can you sign away? I think he's saying, can you sign away your constitutional rights? No, that's up to taking away our constitutional rights is the job of the federal government. So I'll just throw that out. And if he's a convicted felon, doesn't that move? Uh, Anyway, we're debating in a vacuum. We are not lawyers. Pretty sure. So I find it quite amusing that they can't figure out a damn uh, unlock, but whatever. Uh, so thanks for joining me, guys. It's been a pleasure, as always. I look forward fun, to these shows recorded every Thursday, released on Friday generally. Uh, check us out on attackoftheandroids.com. Email us any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that if you want us to uh, discuss something uh, Android-related that would help you. Email show at attackoftheandroids.com. You can reply us at AOTA Radio on Twitter, and we got a Facebook page. We got a Google Plus uh, brand page, all that stuff. So follow us socially. Stalk us. We enjoy it. Check out the Buffer Overflow show every Tuesday. We do that one live. Uh, check out groovypost.com and a new domain.net. Me and Jeremy had an interesting article about website security. Just popped up on a new domain a few days ago. And then, like I mentioned, I got my uh, new five app uh, review of the 49 cent ones I've enjoyed. And check out those games. I'm telling you guys, if you think gaming on a tablet is just terrible and lame those are two that you definitely need to try so check it out and uh we'll talk to you guys next week Thanks for listening to Attack of the Androids, attackoftheandroids.com.